so then I became a freelance musician, um, but still worked for VeggieTales. But then allowed that allowed me to start picking up some other jobs, writing music for some other series. There's CBN has a series called Superbook mm-hmm. that I've written five seasons for, fifty uh, okay. something, sixty something episodes, um, and then that you know just as the word gets out, oh you're the VeggieTales guy, that obviously helps, right? Um, and then, you know, starts opening other doors, and even now as we speak, I mean, literally t- two days ago, I, you know, took an email from somebody said, hey, we're wanting to start a new pilot for a potential series, mm-hmm. but they know my work from VeggieTales and from the other things. Conversations about music, mixing, and the creative industry. Our guest today is Kurt Heineke. Kurt has been the director of music for VeggieTales on top of doing lots of freelance for different artists, doing photography, all kinds of stuff. Did I get it close, Kurt? Yeah, uh, that that sounds good. Just, you know, make it one nice, continuous, smooth... All those things. (laughs) Just all the stuff. Better than the... uh... Just the VeggieTales guy. Well, thank you for um, letting me into your studio. Yes. Um, uh, it's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, uh, as we joked about, you are the VeggieTales guy. <laughs> it's me, but you are a lot more things. What are some of the hats that you have worn and are currently wearing? Yeah, well, probably my claim to fame would be, yeah, I was the director of music for VeggieTales for 25 years, and which, which actually we still were, we were just working on projects like three months ago, so... There's still things going on, so it's coming up on 30 years now. But in the last dozen years, I've been very busy in the Nashville scene with production and sequencing and writing and uh, performing Mm -hmm. all sorts of music for uh, video series, uh, numerous different video series. Uh, I help out people in... uh, song production, performance on that sort of stuff. And then I also do photography on the side, so I photograph a lot. So you wear a lot of different hats. I do, yes. Sometimes you have to do that as a freelancer. Yeah, oh, 100%. Do you enjoy that? Yeah, I do. It's funny, my wife and I were just talking about this the other day. It's um, There's an excitement about, I mean, we were talking about this before just two days ago. I got Mm. a, a call about a potential new pilot that I'm working on and the potential of the second season of a show that I've been working on. And so mm-hmm. those sorts of things happen mm-hmm. literally. Oh, I got an email. Oh, I've got work. And right. um, so there's an excitement about that, about, okay, doing the next thing. And, mm-hmm. but then as I was sharing with you yesterday, you know, I just had a photography job yesterday and I don't know if that's going to be something ongoing or not. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm waiting to get that email. Like, yeah, it looked good or, uh, we're still looking for some different people. So mm-hmm. yeah, you have to be able to, I think, live with that potential of rejection. Mm-hmm. And it, maybe not as brutal as rejection, but always, you know, I'm always working with directors and producers, so I'm always having to take direction and fix things and tweak things. It's not just my creation and I can do whatever I want to with it. So yeah. I'm always having to answer to other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely the the freelance struggle. It's funny because, I mean, running the studio, it's 
technically not a freelance thing, but right now, since it's still so early, it feels a lot like a, like a freelance role, right? Like a phone call if someone's looking for a job. Okay, this is great. This is going to keep things going. Exactly. And it, it, it's exciting and terrifying at the same time. Yeah. And um, so it's, there's part of me that definitely thrives on that. And then there's part of me that starts wondering, okay, how many more years can I, you know, I'm, I don't know, 10 years, 15 years from retirement, like, okay, can I maintain this? Even if jobs did continue to come in, yeah. can I maintain that sort of, okay, I've got a deadline. I've got three deadlines this week. I've, and then a month from now, I've got nothing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's, right. it's that uh, familiar adage about musicians. You complain when you don't have work, and then you complain when you have work. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, could I just, you know, because in my past life, both at Big ID and before that, for a time, I was salaried full-time with a company, mm-hmm. and there were some real nice merits to that. I never intended to be a freelance Mm-hmm. anything because yeah. I just thought that was too risky mm-hmm. um, but then coming off of VeggieTales and then going back into VeggieTales freelance as opposed to full time mm-hmm. um, you know it's it's treated me well the last I don't know how I've even lost track if it's been the last dozen years mm-hmm. so um, and I I really can't complain because there's guys like like Blair Masters that, that I know you just interviewed mm-hmm. a good friend of mine who you know he doesn't know he might get a session for tomorrow. Yeah. And he doesn't know what next week looks like sometimes. Now, granted, he is the keyboardist for Garth Brooks, so that helps. Right. <laughs> but, you know, there's a lot of guys in town that they don't know what they're doing next week. And mm-hmm. if they get a job on a, a session, it, it might be one session for three hours one day. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the thing I get excited about is when I get a, okay, here's a series and there's going to be 12 episodes. Right. So that's... You know, I'll be working on that for this next year. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not full-time this next year, but it's, right. okay, there's, there's one chunk. Mm-hmm. Now, let's try to fill in the next space with something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, photography, that that picks up and, and yeah, that's more one-offs. So, oh, I've got this project this weekend or this day. And those are just nice little pick-me-ups that, mm-hmm. that are a different – it's a good balance in my brain compared to what I need to do musically. It's, it's almost a um, – well, in a nutshell, you know, I'm working on a musical project, and it it might take me days or weeks to finish that project because of all the layers and all yep. the back and forth. Mm-hmm. Whereas photography, you know, I did a job last night. It's like, okay, th- three hours later, I know if I successfully finished the job or not. I can look right. at the pictures. The client can look at the pictures, and I can see what I did right and what I need to fix next time. Mm-hmm. And it's immediate feedback. Yep. So it's a nice balance to layering all these things to get a musical feedback yeah 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 so i have i have a bunch of questions i want to ask you but first i want to thank you for everything you did to help this happen because i mean if it wasn't for you and the contributions you made i don't think season two would it definitely wouldn't look like it looks right now oh cool um so this is season two so this is season two two. you are part of (laughs) this whole trip is season two wow yeah yeah so a little background into how this all happened i we met yesterday, right? Yeah, literally, for literally the first time. Yesterday. In beautiful. person. In person. Um, yeah, so, but maybe, I don't know, eight years ago, probably, mm-hmm. I uh, was an aspiring um, filmmaker. I don't know if I could even call myself that. I was a kid with an idea, and I had this idea to make a movie about marshmallows, which I thought the plot was 
on point. But uh, sadly, it never made it to, to see the light. But as an ambitious child, I was like, I need someone who's really good at making film scores who could make the music for it. And so, you know, having the internet, I did some research and I found, uh, found your email and I was like, hey, Kurt, um, I'm a kid who's doing this thing and you should do the music for me. And he was actually quite a gentleman about it because he like responded with a whole paragraph of like, I can't do it, but these are some things like practically that you should try, um, which for what it's worth, was really inspiring as a kid. So thank you. Um, all that to say, for years, it was like a fun story of like, what if? And then we started uh, for the record. I don't know, a couple months ago, Ben had the idea. He's like, why don't you just reply to that email? <laughs> and just like, why not, right? And so I was like, okay. So I did that. And I was like, hey, man, this is what I'm up to now. If you're ever in the area, I'd love to to get you on the show. And then you responded like a half hour later or something. And one thing Apparently led... I wasn't that busy that week. Right. <laughs> and one thing led to another, and instead of you coming to me, I was like, what if we came to you? And uh, and he also scheduled, like, most of the people that were interviewing on this season. So, so hopefully you've met some of the nicer people I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fun because it um, – you can tell because I – it's not like I get bombarded daily, but, I, you know, I get inquiries and, hey, blah, 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 I have a question. I You know, I want to do – I want to be what you are, you know, doing and whatever. Mm-hmm. And there are some personalities that you can see. Oh, okay, this person is really driven, mm-hmm. and they're really going after it, as opposed to just because you get a lot of people in colleges saying, "Yeah, I want to do what John Williams does. I want to be a com- film composer." I'm like, get in line because <laughs> you know there's a whole lot more people that want to do that that can do it. Right. But but if you've got a lot of the, one of the things I tell a lot of people is. You got to wear a lot of different hats. You got to be willing to do a lot of different things. I mean, that's ex- mm-hmm. I've been in this industry for thirty years, and that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm, you know, musician, composer, producer, photographer. Yeah, I'm always looking for the next angle and something new to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I heard that, and you, you know, just okay, opening this music studio and then incorporating a coffee shop, and it was fun just to kind of bounce some ideas back and forth. So I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. this. This guy's, you know, le- legit in that sense of okay, you're serious about right moving forward with this, yeah. And I'm like, okay, that that counts as much in this industry mm-hmm. as you know raw talent and some of these other things. Yeah. Well, thank you. Did, did you ever see? I don't suppose you ever saw any any elements of the marshmallow movie I was working on. <laughs> no, I rejected you eight years ago. Remember? You did <laughs> <laughs> nicely though. I did it nicely. He was super nice about it. Just the nicest. <laughs> but it was still a rejection letter. I did. Right. No, was. I, did not, I, uh, I did not see that. I dug up a trailer I made. Okay. You want to see it? <laughs> uh, so you're gonna get a live reaction. 100 percent these are one of these reaction videos no, it is now it is now be, hold on. all right uh, all right ready and then you'll be playing this live on the oh probably video, right? yeah Ha, <laughs> 
<laughs> so what do you think? Well, two comments. So, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. when he puts the marshmallow between the crackers, he needs to push it together so, like, the guts come out. Mm. Of the yeah, 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 And then yeah, you yeah. hear a little scream or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's... You need a little more, you know, intensity in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the music, the, whoever wrote the music did a great job, much better than I would have. Well, I honestly don't know who did it at this point. I don't remember. But, Is that a drop yeah. the needle? Just some. I honestly famous... don't remember. I have no idea. But I didn't make it. But, yes, I just felt it was worth um, That's... showing you. <laughs> the production values are good. Hey, you know, yeah. I was using, like, a software that wasn't intended to do what I was using it wasn't for. And it's like marshmallows. Frame by frame drew stuff out. So, uh-huh. you know, but anyway, all that to say, thank you for, <laughs> you know, who knows what okay, a marshmallow we're, movie we're can done do. Here. Cut the tape. Right, right. Uh, That's everything. <laughs> but all that to say, kids, if you're making a movie about marshmallows, that could take you places. It just might not be the movie. <laughs> right. It might not be marshmallow related, but it'll take you places. Right. Exactly. It'll get your foot in the door. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> you follow your dreams. That's what you're doing right there. You right. Gotta, I got a, I got an idea. I got to yeah. go with it. And... Yeah, this is like foundational, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So tell me your story, how you got into like what you're doing now. Like was big idea okay. and working with them. Yeah. Was that like a big break or were you already involved? So I, I talk to a lot of college students at colleges and the big lesson that I share is, uh, you know, because I talk to all these music majors. Usually you're going to music education, music performance, nowadays music production, mm-hmm. commercial music. Mm-hmm. And they're completely different in one way, meaning music education, which all three of my kids are have or are getting a degree in music education, you're guaranteed of a, of a job, a teaching job, a steady job. It's not the most glamorous, it's not the highest paying, but it's steady. Mm-hmm. Um, Music performance, hey, I want to be a professional violinist. You know, there's a lot of kids that think they've got what it takes, but mm. you got to be realistic. I mean, I photographed yeah. for the Nashville Symphony, and I met one of the new violinists, and uh, he said, yeah, there were 200 people that auditioned for that one spot. Mm. And you know if they made it into that audition, they're good violinists. They're mm-hmm. well-trained, Juilliard, you name it. But even the second best violinist that day didn't get the job. Mm-hmm. So it's cutthroat out there. Yeah. So that's that's a tough business to get into. Now, if you've got the push to do it, go for it. Um, but then commercial music, there's or or um, commercial music, film scoring, music production, all of those sorts of things. There's no one path to get there. Yeah. Music education. Here's my teaching degree. Oh, I go to a school and I start teaching, and you pretty much have job security mm-hmm. here. I don't have job security. I mean, I've if I got hired for a production, you know, that's 12 episodes long, maybe that's job security for that one year. Yeah. But there's always I mean, there's always more composers out there wanting to do what what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a hard it's a tough nut to crack. And mm-hmm. with that um, you're always wearing so many different hats. So that's the other thing I tell music students. You don't know what you're going to be doing in 10 years. You, th- you think you want to go into music performance, but you're going to be teaching on the side and you're going to be, and the teacher might be performing on the side for the fun of it. Mm-hmm. And all of them might be arranging on the side. So get as many experiences as you can. Yeah. So for me, I had a music education degree. I was a music teacher. I was a band director. Then I got involved in a church music as a music director in Chicago. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but I was always dabbling in electronic music on the side and arranging and composing. I'd do things for, for my church growing up. And then like at the church that I was working at, I'd do arrangements for our offertories. I'd just do, do stuff on my own. Mm-hmm. And because that was kind of in me, I kind of had to get that out. Yeah. Lo and behold, in that church were the founding members of VeggieTales, Mike mm-hmm. and Phil and Lisa. So that's uh, Larry as Mike and mm-hmm. Phil as Bob and Lisa as Junior Asparagus, who's married to Phil. Yeah. Um, and so they had, I didn't audition, but they had heard me audition for a number of years because a couple of them were in the music department yeah. uh, working with me. So my le- my lesson there is always do the best you can because you never know who's hearing you and who's listening, especially here in Nashville. Yeah. So they said, hey, we've got this idea for this, you know, wacky animated vegetables telling Bible stories. I'm like, yeah, right. That'll go over well. <laughs> I don't have any clothes, no, you know, limbs, no, you know, it's okay. just a bizarre idea. Right. But Phil especially really sold me. I mean, he's he was really he felt strongly about this mm-hmm. and I felt strongly about it because I could tell, okay, this is going to be a good, good product. Mm-hmm. So I jumped on board cause Hey, it's an opportunity to do more of this arranging and sequencing and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's how it started because they didn't have the budget to come down to Nashville and get a real person to do it, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, cause I wasn't, I had never scored a film before and mm-hmm. done that sort of stuff, but I had a lot of experience in, songwriting and arranging and sequencing and directing people and working with people. So that's where wearing all the different hats really helped out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was, uh, 93, you know, so we're coming up on 30 years ago. And so I started with them from before show one, because I, you know, recorded the tuba for the VeggieTales theme song. And I recorded that first polka, you know, they said, okay, with this theme song and we want it to be a polka. I'm like, Perfect. I directed a German band in high school. My name's Heineke. This is right up my alley. So, yeah. so that uh, which is funny because I've never directly thought about the VeggieTales theme song being a polka until this moment. But I'm like, I mean, that's 100 percent what it is. Exactly. That's beautiful. Polka slash a little bit of Dixieland. But yeah, mm-hmm. they basically said no. We we want it to be just a goofy polka. Boom chuck boom chuck boom chuck. So, like, oh, I can do that. So. So that started that journey. I was still working at the church. Um, but, you know, it obviously, I mean, ironically, for the first couple of years, people don't realize this, but it did not take off for a while. Mm-hmm. And then and then it started exploding. And so then it was, wasn't until then that there was some security that I went full-time with that as director of music. Yeah. And, yeah, that lasted for, I've lost track, let's say 15 years full-time. Mm-hmm. And then they had some downsizing, so they shifted some of us creatives to freelance. Mm-hmm. So then I became a freelance musician, um, but still worked for VeggieTales. But then allowed, that allowed me to start picking up some other jobs, writing music for some other series. There's CBN has a series called Superbook mm-hmm. that I've written five seasons for, uh, okay. 50-something 60 something episodes. Um, and then that, you know, just as the word gets out, oh, you're the VeggieTales guy, that obviously helps. Right. Um, and then, you know, starts opening other doors. And even now, as we speak, I mean, literally t- two days ago, I, you know, took an email from somebody who said, hey, we're wanting to start a new mm-hmm. pilot for a potential series. Mm-hmm. But they know my work from VeggieTales and from the other things. Is most of your work in scoring traditionally like different children's series and stuff and like that vein is VeggieTales or? Yeah, I don't want to 
pigeonhole myself, but you know, sure. the industry tends to do that. Right. And I don't mind that if it's work. You yeah. know, so obviously starting in fact there's a series coming out this next year called Wing Feather Saga. Okay. Uh, Andrew Peterson's series. And I we already did a short film for that to uh, raise funds and promote it. Mm-hmm. And when the producer who I'd worked with for a long time, Chris Wall now now Andrew Peterson knows me because we've worked together. I've performed on some of his uh, live shows, did Irish whistles? Yeah. But when Chris Wall said, "Hey, what if you use Kurt to do the score?" and he's like, "Wait, isn't he the Veggie Tales guy that plays like tuba and accordion?" <laughs> and Wing Feather Saga is more Tolkien, C.S. Lewis, yeah, big dramatic fantasy stories. Mm-hmm. And Chris like, uh, he can do that stuff too, because mm-hmm. he had heard my development. You know, when you listen to something like Larry Boy or some of the later Veggie Tales, where right. boy, there's some legit score in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're not just like producing the songs that people sing to right. although you're doing that too right, right. like yeah. like you were doing silly songs with larry and you're doing like the actual like larry yeah, boy scoring. exactly well and and as the series progressed there was more and more score mm-hmm. underneath the show it's funny the very first episode which you know you look back and there's a real charm to it but it's also very rudimentary compared mm-hmm. to what we know now yeah there was virtually no score there was a tiny bit of score mm-hmm. and i was doing that on a keyboard and a stopwatch you know? yeah and um, so that we really didn't explore scoring at all. It wasn't until, mm-hmm. I'd say, Madame Blueberry, which I think was show six, where... That was pretty score-heavy, I feel like. Yeah, that that really, it's like, we came into our own element there, and Mike Naraki was directed that one for the first time, and so we were kind of finding this balance of what that looked like. Mm-hmm. And yeah, for the first time, I think, oh, that was actually a semi-successful score that carried this, this story along. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so yeah, just word gets out, and oh, they, you know, I've done children's stuff that's on video. So therefore, other well, in fact, Superbook that was my first big job after VeggieTales, and their their first concern was, we haven't heard you do big expansive things, you know, big mm-hmm. orchestral score, dramatic score. Yeah, and uh, and so that that was fun to be able to be more dramatic and bigger, mm-hmm. heavier emotional things. Yep. Whereas VeggieTales is much lighter. Mm-hmm. So now it's it's fun because I sometimes I forget I'm doing these dramatic scores and I really get enjoyment out of that. And then I, oh yeah, but I'm also the silly song guy that mm-hmm. you know does the VeggieTales songs. Yeah. So yeah, I, I wear both those hats. It it tends to be in the in the world of children's entertainment. You mm-hmm. know, I'm starting to do. I've done some little bit of movie work. I've done some um, documentary work. I've done, you know side story living here in Nashville you just never know who you're going to bump into mm-hmm. uh, one of the guys that goes to church with me is is a key writer at Disney for a lot of their parks and parades and fireworks shows and okay. he heard me play an Irish whistle in church one day and he's like I need some Irish whistle because my samples just aren't cutting it so he hey would you plan this one little project and it was I I do a lot of ba ba da ba 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 da ba ba ya ba ba da ba 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 da ba ba. Yeah, you know that line I've done for like five different parades, and Tinkerbell ba ba da ba da da. Oh yeah, that's a little whistle thing that ends up in a couple parades. But then we've done some, you know. There's a float where I did the Princess and the Frog, it's a Dixieland float in Disneyland, and. It's a Dixieland band, so I played trumpet, trombone, and clarinet on a wind controller that looks like this, but it but it was clarinet samples. Huh. So it's like, okay, I did all of those for yeah. that one, and then 
um, do a lot of different Irish whistles and Native American flutes and ethnic flutes and anything like that. So, yeah. so I've done like 13 projects for for that, yeah. which has been a ton of fun. I mean, it's it sounds, it I say projects, but it's one of the projects might be like eight measures of a whistle part. It's not sure. like these expansive things, but sure. But it's a ton of fun. Yeah, it's truly eclectic. Yeah, like yeah. all of the different spaces. But I think you seem like the kind of person that enjoys that. Yes, and yes, I do. Um, I enjoy that challenge mm-hmm. uh, because a lot of what we as musicians do, because I, I grew up as a trumpet player, mm-hmm. and my kids have all grown up as musicians, and I've kind of helped guide them through their journeys. Yeah, I always say it's it's more important to be a good musician than a good trumpet player or a good mm. flautist or French horn player, whatever that is, because as a musician, you need to hear, okay, how does this line flow? Yep. Where's the crescendo? Where's the emotion? Where's the breath? Um, because you can translate that to any of your instruments mm-hmm. as long as you know the musicality of it. Yeah. If I just know the the technicalities of the musical instrument, but I'm not bringing any emotion and musicianship to it, then mm-hmm. it's I'm not moving anybody. Right. So if I know the musicianship first, then I can apply that to any of my instruments. Mm-hmm. And the the beauty in in today's world with home studios is, you know, I'm. I play a bunch of different instruments, and I don't play many of them real well. Sure. But I play them well enough that I can get the right notes down on tape mm-hmm. and then yep. edit it and fix it mm-hmm. and then layer it with 16 other things. Right. And all of a sudden you go, oh, that's a live orchestra mm-hmm. or live this. And you go, well, you know, I played the one trumpet live. Yeah. But those other, all those other instruments came out of the computer. But adding that live instrument on the top, whether it's a trumpet or percussion or ukulele mm-hmm. all of a sudden you hear that and your ear automatically thinks oh that's those are live players mm-hmm. and so that's part of my goal here yeah and that's that's the challenge especially in scoring it's like okay they hired me to create this john williams Hans zimmer score but <laughs> right. it's just me yeah well there's huge sample libraries these days that you know, really help you get in that direction. But again, you have to know how to make them musical mm-hmm. and make that line musical. And here's a violin line, but now let me add a live Irish whistle over the top of it. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. it's breathing together and you yeah, get this, in a way that they layers. Like, in a way that they like move together, yeah. not like they're just at war with each other. Yeah, but it's also layers so that it's not just one sample. And you go, oh, I can tell that's fake. Well, as soon as you double up or triple it up, mm-hmm. now the things are getting masked and peeking mm-hmm. in and out and yeah. all of a sudden it becomes this organic thing. Mm-hmm. There's movement. So you said you played trumpet as a kid. Mm-hmm. So what, at what point did, I don't know if maybe it was going to college or maybe it was before that, like what was the deciding factor in your mind of like, I want to go this direction with my life with music. And at the time, was it film scoring? <laughs> I grew up listening. Uh, the, okay. Junior high, sixth grade, seventh grade. That's when Star Wars came out, mm-hmm. um, and I was listening to that soundtrack over and over on an 8-track tape. Okay. On an 8-track, I knew to jump from the the theme, the opening theme, to the cantina band, mm-hmm. to the closing big theme. Mm-hmm. And on an 8-track, you could kind of jump between these different tracks. Yeah. And I'd listen to that over and over, just kind of ingesting it, but I never for the life of me thought, oh, I want to be a film composer. Because mm-hmm. you just don't do that. I mean, you just don't go to college for that. And yeah. So I went the practical route. I said, you know what? I, 
my family is all music educators. I know that I can teach. I can be a music educator. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I became a music teacher in the Bahamas. Stayed wow. for six months. They wanted me to stay. I was like, you know, I've got a job opportunity in Chicago. Became a band director. Did that for two years. They wanted me to stay, but I picked. I started uh, dabbling in this church that I met some guys at church. They were like, we need some help with the music. And all of a sudden, I was, ooh, I'm, I'm playing in a band every Sunday, and I'm... Mm-hmm leading you know singers in a band and i'm arranging things and i'm learning how to sequence more i did some in college but Mm -hmm. you know i'm like i'm sequencing every week and i just thrived on the the diversity of things that i needed to do yeah i'm more of a a um swiss army knife kind of guy okay you got this you know knife for cooking and you got these really heavy duty nice knives but I've got this Swiss Army knife that can do 16 different things. Mm-hmm. It does them all not the best, right? but it can get it done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's me. It's okay. like, because some people say, oh, you know, because my son's one's a violinist and one's a violist. And, oh, you need to really just focus on that so you can get in an orchestra. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, try. So they both, one of them plays trumpet and trombone. So they can, they both did marching band too. And mm-hmm. now one of them, Wes plays accordion and trumpet and violin and electric violin and hmm. piano. And he's just like, yeah, he's dabbling in all of them and yeah. he's having fun with it. So yeah. so that's paid off for me mm-hmm. um, is just that variety of things. So I was always, electronic music always intrigued me. Mm-hmm. So starting as early as high school, I was playing around with, I would borrow friends had these monophonic synthesizers and I mm-hmm. borrowed a four track tape recorder from another friend mm-hmm. and I started doing these switched on Bach. Look that up kids switched on Bach, uh, four part Bach fugues with just these bloopy weird synthesizer sounds. And then I, and then I started picking up my trumpet and a baritone and I would do four part Bach chorales huh. just to hear, Oh man, I, I can, you know, record over myself and stuff. And mm-hmm. they all sounded lousy. I was out of tune and everything, but you just keep doing it and just keep doing it and yep. you get some of the junk out of your system. Yeah. And then I was I was studying my mom's college theory books in junior high. Just, I don't know, that's really geeky, but I was like, mm-hmm. I want to figure some of this stuff out. So yeah. even though I've got a college degree in it, as much of it was self-taught mm-hmm. and just curiosity. And that's another thing I tell students is, look, there's there's nothing stopping you from becoming whatever you want to be because mm-hmm. all you need to go to is, is just pick up $200 logic program. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, obviously it's more than that. You need to have a good Mac and that sort of thing. But sure. logic is $200 now. That was $1,000 when I started and had a tenth of it what it has now. Mm-hmm. And go to YouTube and just start searching and learning. Yep. I mean, you don't have to spend sixty or $100,000 on a college education if, if you know this is what you want to do. Now, yeah. I'm not saying don't go to college. That's yeah. very beneficial, too. But be prepared to find out that the real world is not like what mm-hmm. you learned in college. Yeah. I mean, I didn't. So I didn't go to college. And it's obvious. I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I, I, marshmallows. Right. And... I take that as a compliment. Um, <laughs> but like that was a struggle for me for a while. Like when when I graduated and all my friends went off to college, and I was like, no, no, I just don't know what I want to do yet. Maybe I'll go off to college, but I'm kind of thinking I won't. And I felt 
confident in that decision, but then I started to feel less confident as time went on, and I was like, you know, well, was if, that society or was that yourself? You know, it was, it was both. Mm-hmm. Like there, there was a, there was a combination of um, pressure from myself of like, you know, is this really the decision I made? Was it just because I felt like I hated school and so this is laziness working mm-hmm. 60 hours a week at a fast food job? Like, is that is that my version of laziness? <laughs> um, but, and maybe it was a little bit of my parents, which, I mean, they were super loving and they were supportive and all this stuff. But logically so, there's this sense of like, we just want to make sure like you have a plan in this. and like, you're not going yeah. for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um but honestly, I think I felt the most pressure from like my peers. And I think that was probably because they were being fed more of the like college is where you're supposed to go. This is the next step. And he's just not yeah. doing that. Yeah. Um, but it took a while for me to actually figure out, no, this is there's a reason I didn't go. And as I got involved with uh, with a, a different church than the one I grew up with that had more production things going on and more people involved in music mm-hmm. professionally. And I started talking with them, getting around different people. And they're like, no, you don't need, you know, like if you're driven, you don't need college for this. You just need to jump in, dive in, learn things. Mm. And I started mm-hmm. feeling like, okay, this was, I'm more of a hands-on person, um, jump in the water and learn how to swim kind of thing. Yeah. And I felt like that was really great for me, not necessarily for everyone, but it, it was a struggle for a while of yeah. like, is this actually the right call? No, that's interesting. And I'll affirm that because I think driven is the big part of it. You know, you're, you're the one that, you know, whatever, eight years ago had the wild idea. Hey, why don't I just reach out to this guy and ask him if he wants to do this? Mm-hmm. You did the, the marshmallow thing on your own. You, you know, have the studio vision. But a lot of it is because you there's a driven nature and you're like, I just want to see this through and see if I can do this. Mm-hmm. So that's huge for you, which some people don't have at all. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think for me, you know, I I tend to say I never had a, five-year, 10-year goal, you had mentioned that. Yeah. You know, I never aspired to write music for talking vegetables. You know, Mm -hmm. that just wasn't an option. Yeah. But everything that I was doing, put it this way, instead of saying, oh, I have this dream, I want to reach that, it's like, let's be more practical. What is it that you're always doing in your spare time that you love to do, that you dabble in? Um, When I look back and go, oh, Okay, so in high school and college, even though I was getting the music education degree, yeah, I was taking electronic music courses just because I wanted to, mm-hmm. even though I couldn't figure out how well how how will I ever use this? How will this fit into my degree and my teaching? Yeah, but it was something that I just I really enjoyed doing, and I would I would arrange things for, you know, I'd play trumpet in church, and I'd arrange for a trumpet trio, and you know, just because I really was driven to do it and wanted to do it, yeah. and. And I was listening to Star Wars over and over and over. And lo and behold, I look now I look back and I go, oh, I see how that all fit together now. Because every one of those things that I was doing mm-hmm. allows me to do what I'm doing now. Yeah. And so if I had just said or followed the, hey, you need to just do this because that's the path you're going, mm-hmm. then uh, I wouldn't have had this rich right. tapestry to, to work with. Yeah, there's two schools of thought, right? There's choose the one thing, make that your whole vision, and run after that with all you have and see if you can become one of the best people around, mm-hmm. the best people in the world even, that can do that thing. Or you can say, okay, what? let me survey the landscape. What are the things that I'm passionate about slash intrigued by yeah and 
um, dabble enough to become dangerous in a bunch of different categories. Yeah, that's a good um, way to look at it. I think, you know, and for people to say, oh, I want to be a film composer. Great. But how about what if how good are you at logic? How good are you at finale? How good are you at orchestrating? How good are you at arranging? Because, mm -hmm. you know, the Hans Zimmers of the world have 30 or 60 people working underneath them that help. He starts an idea, but this person finishes it. Mm -hmm. Or, or you know, John Williams has an orchestrator. Yeah. And then he has a, a somebody that preps all the music for the orchestra. Mm -hmm. I've got friends that that's their job. They know finale mm -hmm. like the back of their hand yeah and they are prepping music for now they're they're prepping music for world-class um sessions for for game you know gaming systems and for movies and it's all happening here huh. because they have a skill they're not just mm -hmm. oh i want to be a composer it's like no but do you have the skill to to write a, a part so that a violinist can read it with all the correct bowings and all mm -hmm. the definitions yeah. and all of that. So there's a skill. So, th mm -hmm. so there's the dream side of it and there's the skill side of it. Yeah. So you've got this dream, but the skill is, do you know logic? Do you know finale? Do you know mm -hmm. your sound systems? Yeah. As a photographer, I see it all the time. There's, an, oh, I love taking pictures and mm -hmm. click, click. And, oh, that's so pretty, and I like how the light looks, but... Like, how do you compose your but shot? But I have no idea why that looks that way. It's mm -hmm. like, well, do you understand the f-stop and the shutter speed and the ISO mm -hmm. and the color balance yep. so that you can get that mm -hmm. shot? And so there's, I think there's always two sides to that. Mm -hmm. And so you're saying, oh, I want to do this. Well, yeah. That's great. Now what? Yeah, here's the tools that you need to do that. Mm -hmm. Go... Go learn those tools because now yeah. you're useful to somebody. Mm -hmm. You know, I I don't necessarily need a another composer sitting right next to me, but I might need a guitarist to play the guitar part that I can't play and a drummer. Yeah. And maybe that finale guy, if I record with an orchestra, mm -hmm. and an audio guy, an engineer to mix the stuff. So, yeah. so there's these other elements to the team that may might not be the most glamorous, glorious top bill right but they that's how the job gets done and mm -hmm. more than likely nobody's going to come out of college becoming a composer yeah because there's there's enough people in the world like um i don't want to say like myself because that sounds like hey i'm a composer <laughs> you um, are you are a composer but you know i gave this illustration so i, I know a, a good friend of mine who's um if not the top trumpet player, one of the... I mean, no, I should say there's there's other top trumpet players in the symphony, too, but he subs for the symphony. Mm -hmm. But he's a world-class trumpet player. Yeah. And he can, you know, let's say he does two sessions a day for two different projects. Mm -hmm. Okay, so over the... So that's 10 projects a week. That's 500 projects a year. Mm -hmm. How many projects are coming out of Nashville that require trumpet playing on them? Mm -hmm. I mean, if he's got the first 500, that takes up quite a bit of that need. Right. So if you're going, oh, I want to be a professional trumpet player. Well, there's, I mean, yeah, there's the symphony and there's the session playing, but you got to be the best of the best of the best to do that. Right. Now you can do some other, I mean, I play in a German band. Mm -hmm. I wear lederhosen, you know, like once a week <laughs> here in October. <laughs> That's amazing. You know, but but it's a little outlet because I, I play tuba and I play trumpet and I, 
you know. Yeah. And I and I pick up 150 bucks. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not gonna make a living. Right. But it's sure fun to do, mm -hmm. and it's a fun musical outlet, and mm -hmm. I hang out with my friends, and maybe there's a connection. Just when I was playing my, sorry, I keep bumping this mic. Oh, you're talking. Just about like that. when I was playing Irish Whistle in church. Yeah. A guy from Disney hears me, and I've. 13 Disney projects later, mm -hmm. I'm like, well, that was cool. Yeah. Maybe somebody hears me, at, you know, playing in the German band and goes, yeah, he's a, that's fun. I love that sound. Mm -hmm. Let's hire him. Right. In, uh, so I could go on and on. So, what a, <laughs> so all of that to say, you know, you want to be the trumpet player. Well, there's one guy that's covering the, t the first 500 jobs for that. Yeah. What are the other things that you can do that support that? Mm -hmm. You know, so you, yeah, and so in today's world, where I'm circling back around from 10 minutes before when you mentioned something, <laughs> I think today more than ever, yeah. you do have to wear multiple hats mm -hmm. because if you can be a sound engineer or a mixer, yep. I can record my trumpet here in my own studio, mm -hmm. so now I'm taking up two jobs, and you know I can mix it, and then I can play some of these other parts, mm -hmm. and that's what uh, modern productions are expecting because, hey, well, if he can do it, why can't you? Mm -hmm. I'm going to find the guy that can do all those things. Yeah. And then ultimately, yeah, they, they might have to pay less because they don't have to pay a whole slew of musicians and engineers and recording artists. Yeah. But if I can learn to do multiple things, well, it makes then it more dangerous. I, I can be in the running for that position. Yeah. 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 So probably one of the first most iconic silly songs was the hairbrush song. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, Tell me about your role in that song. It's it's creation and um, yeah. Just tell me cool. about that. I just want to talk about the hairbrush song for a little bit. Awesome. <laughs> well, yeah, that has been rated, voted our number one favorite silly song in uh, several polls. Oh, I watched the silly song countdown. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, quick quick backstory. So, you know, the first show, VeggieTales show ever. Um, Phil had the idea for the Water Buffalo song. Mm -hmm. It was just a a silly song that ran through and said, oh, I got to write this down. And like, oh, that'll be a fun little intermission. Mm -hmm. So they recorded it. I, I had nothing to do with that one. Second episode, um, there was no silly song because we had never set a precedent. He mm -hmm. just thought, oh, we'll always have something in the middle. We did the forgive a which was a little infomercial. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And it was a little st stage thing. And, mm -hmm. oh, you know. And he started getting letters like, where's the silly song? And he was like, I, did I owe you a silly song? I didn't know that that was a thing. Yeah. Well, okay. He started getting letters, is that what you said? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, people were people like, were coming, by episode minute, two? The, oh, yeah, we love, the, where's the silly song? It's like, I only did it once. Yeah. And so we thought, okay, well, Well, I guess it was again. silly songs. Was it? Maybe. I think so. Yeah. I could be wrong. Maybe, Maybe. it wasn't at that point. Um, so then Mike had the idea of the hairbrush, though it started out, um, he was... Uh, in the shower and reaching for his razor and couldn't find it. Oh, where's my razor? Where's my razor? Came into Phil's office. Oh, this would be a great idea for a silly song. Oh, where is my razor? Can't find my razor. Um, Phil's like, eh, that, for kids, I don't think so. Yeah. He's like, oh, how about hairbrush? Because this and the success of a silly song is uh, that it's on two levels. You've got this childlike level that's just silly, but then yeah. you've got this adult situation. In the case of whether it's a razor or a hairbrush. What if I don't need a razor? What if I, what if I don't have a lot of hair? Do you really need a hairbrush? Yeah. Right. Ah, the right. angst of that. <laughs> yeah. So, so Mike came up with the whole, the whole. Um, it's funny. I've got 
one of these days I'm going to frame it. I've got the original lyrics that that Mike handed me. I'm like this, this is like this is the hairbrush. Yeah. Um, so he he had written all the lyrics, the story, and he had that hook. Oh, where is my hairbrush? Oh, you know how yeah. it goes. But he had n nothing else besides that. Everything was going to be a little operetta. Or, or interstitial, like, hey, and, and the peach came out and said, why do you need yeah. a hairbrush? You don't have any hair. Right. Oh, where is it? So it was all the speaking. Yeah. So I wrote this little melodramatic piano, kind of a mini opera. Dum, 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 da, 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 dum. And I came up with all these variations of that chorus. Mm -hmm. So you get the major and the minor and the happy and the sad and slow and, and, and upbeat and whatever. But then all those interstitials d during the speaking, I would write sort of a dramatic, sort of like it was a little opera, mm -hmm. melodramatic music yeah. behind the speaking. Yeah. So that was the first stage of that. But then when they got in the studio, and I wasn't even there, they they tend to forget this because I was working at the church at the time. But Lisa Vischer came in as the voice of Junior Asparagus, and she's very musical also. Mike and Phil have really intuitive musical sense. They come up with... Incredible okay. hooks and lines, yeah, and some really good music also. But sometimes they're like musically. Well, how do we finish this off? Mm -hmm. You know. So I'm always. That's why Mike and I always co-write the silly songs together because he's the crazy one. He comes up with the wacky ideas, mm -hmm. and then I kind of polish the edges and and then build on what he's brought to the table. Yeah. So they're in the, in the studio recording, um, not the studio, they're in their office space. It was a converted vault, I think, in the back. Mm -hmm. uh, and Lisa's like, you know what? I think I could sing this line. Why do you need a hairbrush? You don't have any hair. And they just fell over laughing. Like, that was awesome. And she said, I think I could figure out, like, all these other lines with what Kurt did you know in the background i think i could kind of make up melodies that fit that yeah they're like go for it and so lo and behold they started coming up with all these little melodies uh -huh. and this simple little song um it's just piano background and that's but that's the success of all of our best songs and silly songs is these simple hook melodies that you just can't get out of your head. Mm -hmm. And that's what Mike gave us with, you know, da, 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 that, yeah. that song. So, so that's, that's a typical example of a co-write where Mike came up with this crazy idea mm -hmm. and then I helped him massage it into a full-blown song. Now, did you expect it to become as big as it oh, was? No, what never. was the, what was no. the reception it's from just, it? It's just the next silly song. I mean, it was yeah. just the second of, two silly songs. Was it's it the second? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Because that was the third episode and we didn't do anything for the second episode. Yeah. So I think the reason it's so popular is maybe that's what put us on the map. People are like, oh, my gosh, mm -hmm. I've never heard anything this weird before coming <laughs> out of a Christian video with vegetables. You right. got to hear this. Mm -hmm. And I think that's it was probably that time that that was the first thing that a lot of people heard that was mm -hmm. associated with Veggie Tales. Yeah. So therefore, there's an emotional connection to it. Oh, I remember when, and it brings back memories. And mm -hmm. so it was certainly, you know, one of our least produced Veggie Tales songs. Took the least amount of time to mm -hmm. put together, start to finish. Yeah. Um, as Silly Songs with Larry like progressed, did it seem like because I. As a child watching, it seemed like that was like the thing. I was like, all this stuff is great. What's the silly song? Oh, that's kind of fun. Did it seem like that was kind of the reception of like, and that kind of affected the planning of each episode? It was like, okay, well, what's our 
What's the concept for the silly song going to be? Um, yes and no. There were sometimes we would try to tie in a silly song with the show. Other times it was just Mike. Hey, I'm kind of bubbling, you know, over like oh, I had this idea, mm-hmm. developing it. Um, and and we've had a few silly songs that other people have directed or co-written, okay. not Mike or not myself. Yeah. Uh, actually, Andrew Peterson, who I mentioned with the Wing Feather Saga, um, he actually he and Randall Goodgame wrote a couple silly songs for us later on. Mm-hmm. I think Pants was one of them. The oh, the, yeah. the uh, monkey song was one of them. Oh, if it doesn't have a tail, it's not yeah, a monkey. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Mark Volcano did the uh, the hats. The dum da 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 dum dum da 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 dum. So we oh the Larry's high silk hat. High silk hat. Yeah, yeah. Which I didn't realize until. Like two years ago, that the whole opera, like symphony uh, intro, was just ripped off of something else. Oh yeah, I mean that whole song is a classical tune. Yeah, the I, Finicula. Didn't, I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. See, see, we're bringing culture to you. Yeah, that was you what it was. Uneducated, uh, no college degree. We're <laughs> was, bringing a little education. I to was you. literally driving down the highway, and for some reason, felt like it was going to be an interesting kind of dramatic to blast like opera kind of music, and so I just pulled something up on Spotify, and I was like, the windows were down, and I was like, full volume. <laughs> And then, like, that song hit, and I was like, wait a second. They stole that from VeggieTales. <laughs> they they like, stole it from oh, VeggieTales. Oh, we have something to tell you. Yeah. You know, interesting about that, um, which one, <laughs> I'm asking you, <laughs> was it the song? No, it wasn't Song of the Cebu. It was the, um, what was the Spanish one, that one of our earlier ones, where Tomato, uh, where Bob and oh, Larry. Oh, the, I know what you're talking about. It was the dance. Dance of the Cucumber. The Dance of the Cucumber. Yeah. So that was inspired because Mike's wife is Colombian, so mm-hmm. they listen to a lot of Spanish and Latin music. And he had heard this uh, this folk song or something. I don't know if it was in Colombia or Mexico. Yeah. And he's like, man, I re- that is a really cool folk song. I really like that. And he played it for me. And it, it's actually what, what inspired the that one, uh, mm-hmm. The Dance of the Cucumber. And it's funny, my wife and I were at a, on a vacation in probably Cancun, I don't even remember where, and we were in the buffet, and I heard that song. I was like, "That's the song it was inspired from. It really yeah. is down here. It's like <laughs> it exists." Yeah, it was. It was. It was really funny. That's funny. So, um, yeah. So it's it's fun to, um, you know, how would I say that? I've I've always told people. I've never thought of Veggie Tales as children's music mm-hmm. or silly songs as children's music. It's like, no, when we write, you know, Barbara Manatee, we're writing a legit tango. I mean, mm-hmm. Mike and I studied tangos. We watched the movie Tango together, which is a little <laughs> awkward. But again, I studied tangos. What are the chord structures? What are the instruments? What are the mm-hmm. melodic ideas? Yeah. And that's how I wrote Barbara Manatee. Yeah. And, um, because I want there to be layers that people go, whoa, that's, I can, as an adult, I, I, I can listen to that more than one time and not go crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so putting that richness in, which has been fun 30 years later, whatever, 25 years later, to hear adults say um, that sort of thing. In fact, <laughs> again, like I said before, do the best you can wherever you're placed. Yeah. Um, that's kind of been my motto. Mm-hmm. Doors have opened because I've been doing, you know, I was just doing what I was doing at the church, but doing it f- for the fun of it and enjoyment of it. And I wanted to do well. Yeah. And because of that, the guys from Veggie Tales heard that and that mm-hmm. became that. Well, it's funny because I think 
like as a kid listening to all the different songs, like it's it didn't strike me as oh that's this genre, oh that's this genre. But I think it instilled a musical creativity. Mm. But now it's interesting looking back and being like, oh shoot, VeggieTales theme song is a polka, yeah. or you know that's a tango, or this and that, and ha- having actual words to put to it. But I yeah. think I think it, at least for me, I think it widened the musical palette of what was in the world you know how about, how about yodeling veterinarian of the alps oh 100 percent. so that was one of my favorites because again mike had this crazy idea he said okay i want this this polka version of the yodeling but i want it to be introduced by this this men's singing group which was i don't think it was the was it the chad miller trio the there were there's some vocal group from like the 60s that was like three guys folk singers with a guitar yeah and that was our inspiration, and he had me listen to that. I said, now I want to marry those together. And that becomes the fun, because mm-hmm. Mike is not thinking, oh, musically, let's do this. It's like, yeah. no, I like this and this. Go, Kurt, what can you do with it? <laughs> right. It's like, okay, so now I, I get to, or have to, depending on your perspective, marry those two completely different genres together. Yeah. But that's what becomes fun, mm-hmm. because... Now we're creating something completely new. Yeah. Because I've never heard that done before. Mm-hmm. You know, those two different styles brought together in one song. And I feel like maybe that's one of the reasons VeggieTales was so groundbreaking is because to your point, it's not it wasn't children's music. It was there was a level of intentionality in it that was so deep that it was like bigger than what it was, almost. <laughs> you know what I mean? That was profound what you just said. Oh yeah? <laughs> well, thank you. But I think I mean that even applying that to life in general is and you already really said this is is giving more than what you expect like if you think this project is like whatever you don't know what could come from this and like serving that by going like putting your whole into that all in and seeing what comes from that um well actually it can take you to other places but can also can raise the quality of that to something that is really special I think as a music educator with an education background, I think that was instilled in me, just like, what what can I do to further, what can I um, put these little Easter eggs in there? You know, mm-hmm. Bach, uh, who was, a, a, I'm a huge fan of that composer, yeah. <laughs> J.S. Bach. You know, he would take his name, which in German was B-flat, A, uh, C, B, mm-hmm. um, and he would hide that in his compositions. Huh. And so you you would never know it because you're just hearing this complex music, but he would play these games with you and, and yeah. hide. And there's all sorts of symbolism. It's not just that. So is that the early form of like DJs, like uh, taglines they throw in songs now? I guess that would be a, another way to look at it. That's yeah. beautiful. Content, contemporary version of that. <laughs> so not that I aspired to do that, but, you know, like in our Christmas episodes, I would see how many like references to Christmas songs I could fit in underneath everything Mm -hmm. else going on. Yeah. And so that richness that I was doing kind of, not because I was asked to do it, but just for my own satisfaction. And then hopefully, hopefully this will reach some people, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, the cool thing is um, just in the last couple months, I'm working got a totally new job opportunity where I'm I'm working with a composer who writes music for high school band and orchestra mm-hmm. and I'm I'm working I'm trying to stretch myself and do some writing for that field mm-hmm. and as he was talking to me it was like yeah well when my kids were growing up you know we had and I forgot which one he mentioned one of the kids showed he's like 
that music is terrible. And then, and then I heard, you know, the purple dinosaur, we won't mention names. And he's like, uh, do I have to listen to that? And then I found VeggieTales like, and this is coming from a professional musician. She's like, yes, kids, I want you to like these shows because mm-hmm. I, I really hear a depth in the music. And I'm like, wow. I mean, 25 years later, I'm working with this guy mm-hmm. because he heard the depth that I was kind of hiding in my music 20 years ago. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that is so cool. You know, because... I, I don't expect kids to say, hey, I love the thick, the richness that you created in your music. Right. But, you know, if I have one parent like that say, oh, man, I love what you did here. Mm-hmm. Like, somebody got it, you know. Yeah. So it's just like those little Easter egg things. Man, that's really cool. And that's honestly, that's a great note to end on. We're about at the time. But cool. Well, thank you. Uh, for having this conversation. Thanks for letting us set up shop in your studio. and um, <laughs> Absolutely. You know, my pleasure. Humoring the nostalgic side of myself. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. Thank you so much. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for, thanks for being here. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll talk to you guys later.